This is Chad Harrington, and you're listening to the Hymn Publications Podcast. I jumped on the phone with a Georgia pastor named Jason Poor about how he used the Discipleship Gospel Workbook by Ben Sobels and Bill Hull. And so in this interview that you're about to hear, he says that you don't need a seminary degree to disciple people through the Gospels. And so in this episode, you can hear why he uses this tool, this workbook, how he uses it, and the success that he's seen using it. So uh, just a spoiler alert, about 16 minutes into this episode, Jason drops a truth bomb that has really got me thinking. It's one new disciple-making question that he's learned to ask people, which is super powerful. So look forward to that. And if you want to get this book as a discipleship tool for you and your church, go to himpublications.com and search for the Discipleship Gospel Workbook. I am Jason Poor, and I am a pastor, and I've served as student pastor and associate pastor and an administrative pastor and discipleship pastor. The church that we were most recently serving at was a uh, Southern Baptist church in West Georgia. Uh, it's a small Southern Baptist church, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. got to know where you're going to find it. Um, in the middle of some cow pastures in West Georgia. Um, and you've been using the Discipleship Gospel Workbook. Why did you originally choose this book to use for disciple making? I really love the simplicity of Mark's Gospel. Um, the The reason we chose the book was because it would be something that um, you would interact with your disciples, the folks that you were leading in discipleship, be something that you could interact with them and there would be something that they could do uh, on ahead of time, sort of like homework before you got together. Uh, but it was something that you could kind of um, kind of wade through with them uh, as you were helping walk through discipleship. But honestly, the original reason to cho- I chose the book to uh, use for discipleship and disciple, disciple making was because of its simplicity. Uh, I think the traditional, and at least in Southern Baptist church world, when somebody is new to the faith or they're uh, trying to figure out what they should do about understanding God's Word or reading the Bible, uh, what I've been told in the past uh, and what we've told other people is they should read some Gospels, but uh, traditionally we point people to John's Gospel, and I, I love John's Gospel. It's just a really uh, sometimes tough gospel to to understand if you're relatively new to the Bible. And Mark's gospel is quick, and it's to the point, and it's simple. Uh, and it Mark's just kind of telling things as they're happening. Um, the, the word immediately gets used a lot in the first five chapters. And so um, it's really neat, though, how... Uh, quick and concise the life of Jesus is put in Mark's gospel. And that's really ultimately the reason. Uh, Somebody who might have said that they were a Christian, but they've never really read the Bible before, which happens a lot in church world. Um, If you told them to go read something, I I was thinking in another passage, we were talking about this, why don't we tell people to read the uh, something really simple, some, something for them to grasp pretty easily. Mark's gospel seems like that does it really, really well. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because 
I was just talking with my wife today about how a lot of times we'll sort of read John first and then we'll read the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in light of John. What if we did, yeah. but John is so different. He's like the BBC world news of major networks. It's like, he's yeah. kind of across the pond there. Like that's really different. Yeah. What if we read it, read the gospels, uh, John in light of the synoptics and, and even chronologically yeah. that makes more sense. But, but also the yeah. simplicity, um, and, you know, John is sort of ethereal, like I am, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like, wow, that's kind of like up there in the sky. Like, what does that mean? Whereas Matthew, Mark and Luke are like down in the earth and it's like, and then he healed someone and then immediately yeah. he went there. It, you know, John has elements of that, but, you know, that's, that's a good argument for it. I think is it's simple, it's short, it's sweet. It's also kind of meaty, you know, you can sink your teeth into it. Whereas John is like, I, yeah. it feels good. I, I like what he's saying. What does that mean? You know? <laughs> yeah, you don't have to have a seminary degree or uh, a, a college-level education or uh, a whole lot of, uh, a, of language to be able to read some of these other Gospels, the synoptics. And uh, with John, you, it's almost like you have to have read all the Old Testament before things are will make some kind of sense, but, um, yeah, I do. I, I love John's gospel. It, it's, it, it's got to be my favorite of them. But, uh, when con considering that maybe the disciples that you're leading are not even they're they're, they're not familiar with the, the Bible at all. Uh, they're, they're not really sure about why you call it the gospel. They, uh, or a gospel genre of the Bible. So i I, I think that's really neat to be able to read through a chapter at a time with somebody uh, and then just ask them, do you believe this? Uh, it, it, right here, it's bold faces right here in black and white. Do you believe any of this? And whether they do or not, you, know, you just kind of keep moving through with them and let the Holy Spirit do the work that he promised that he would do. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to have something, like you said, that people can sit with and wade through. You know, it's like, go read the Gospel of Mark. I think that can work. Um, and, and in fact, mm -hmm. I think it should work more often. But the truth is, the reality is that a lot of times people want curriculum, especially in North America. It's like, give me something. Give me a book. I can work through it. And that's fine. And so this is a good tool. And sure. I mean, you know, that's why we created it is because... It, it helps leaders guide people through Mark's gospel. Like, in yeah. other words, it's a disciple-making tool. It's, it's not really a curriculum yeah. per se. It's just a tool you can use. Sure. And so, I, you know, Jason, I wanted you to give us a high-level overview of how you've used this tool. So we've talked about the tool itself, but the Discipleship Gospel Workbook is something you, you've used. How have you done that? So what I've done is uh, I've invited people that I am uh, most certain I have, I've got a close relationship with them already, and they would say that they're Christian. They're members of churches. They're, uh, they participate uh, most of the time regularly in worship activities with their church, with other churches. But there's no there's there's no fruit of discipleship, or there's no essentially no disciple making going on in their life, and uh, angling to try to help them to understand that this is a part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is the continual 
replication of disciples or, or disciple making and to point that out to them through Mark's gospel. Um, and so that's essentially, that's the high level overview. Now I've invited other people who identify themselves as Christians, but really don't have any interaction with the kingdom, uh, such as they, they don't, they don't belong to a church. They don't interact. They don't, um, they don't, uh, participate in, uh, in kingdom activity. They just don't. And though no one's turned me down, uh, a couple of people have, they haven't put me off, but they said, I want to do that, but I need to figure out when I can, when I can, uh, do that with you, when I can meet with you regularly. And so I've, uh, left that with them and then I, I come back to them later. But essentially a high level kind of how I've used this is I've invited people that I notice in my life, I'm regularly interacting with them, whether it be at church or in another environment, work environment or family environment, and just invited them to a simple reading of, hey, would you like to read the gospel of Mark with me? And all of them have said yes. And again, I've had no nobody turn me down, but some of them have said, I just really need to figure out when I can commit the time yeah. to do that. And you've worked with, I think you said, eight teens and five adults? Yeah, uh, and the teen group, uh, that was neat because the, the very first group that I started with was a group of the high school, the senior high uh, guys at our church. And, uh, and what I told them, I kind of boldly told them, I said, hey, I'm going to do this with you guys, and then I'm done. I'm done with this age category because you guys are going to need to pick this up. You guys are going to need to take on this disciple-making work um, and you can use this tool. This is going to be a really helpful tool, the, meaning the uh, discipleship gospel. Um, and so I've uh, left that with them, and that one's still kind of, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of um, interacting with those guys and prodding them along, saying, hey, guys, remember, I told you I, I was done. I was done with this age group in this church environment. Now this is your responsibility. So you guys need to be inviting someone uh, into the disciple making process. And, uh, here's a tool. If you need something else, you let me know. So, uh, that group was great. Uh, what it led to was, was a sister of one of the guys, I uh, invited them and I, and I told them, I said, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to lead a group of teen girls. Uh, but what I am going to do is I'm going to reach out to another pastor friend of mine whose daughter, 20 something year old daughter, um, is a, a really mature Christian. Uh, she helps lead worship in a couple of different settings in our environment. And she was close friends with, uh, the sisters of those high school guys. And, uh, I walked with them for the first four weeks. So it was a group of, uh, this 20 something, uh, year old leader of the group, a disciple maker, and then, uh, some uh, other, Teen girls in a group. So I walked with them for the first couple of weeks. And then after that, just was a resource for them to holler at whenever they needed some help. Uh, or, hey, this is kind of tricky. I'm not really sure what to do with this. So they'll call me. And so I, I, I checked in at week eight and then again about a week 11. Uh, other than that, though, they pursued a disciple making group. And then uh, the same challenge was issued to them is, okay, 
we're done with this with this age category. Uh, now it's your responsibility. You need to um, be thinking about who God is going to uh, put in front of you, somebody in your sphere of influence that you could invite to this process. Um, so that's where we are with those. Those are still a little sketchy about. Uh, they're apprehensive um, and uh, a little shy, uh, honestly, about inviting someone to disciple making responsibility or disciple making relationship and uh, using the the uh, discipleship gospel as a resource yeah well i mean everyone's got to make the choice for themselves you can't really put this yeah. on anyone it's like okay here's the challenge will you accept sort of thing <laughs> so yeah well and they're and and their high school uh, their high school age they're uh, they they know what they believe and so the initial challenge was is okay so if you believe this for yourself then you also can and you ought to believe that this is uh, this is who uh, Christ made us to be was disciple makers. So uh, this was for you, and it's certainly for anybody else who will believe. Uh, but the work is is for us to go and make disciples. So uh, you can believe this, and you ought to. You ought to believe this too. So, Jason, as you worked with different groups, what are some specific stories of life change? So we've talked about sort of group replication or possible group replication. But as you've been meeting with guys, um, what have you seen, you know, in terms of life change while you're doing this study? One that's cool is uh, he's actually an old student of mine from another church. He's 23 now. And uh, his life has been really turned upside down in the last three or four years. Um, but what was most interesting about, uh, I think we were eight or nine weeks in, and some of the just conversation that we were having about uh, the scripture, about the person of Jesus and who he presents himself as when he's interacting with either of the disciples or with the religious leaders is, is that um, he alone is what's necessary for a right relationship with God. And my my former student, uh, and again, I just mentioned he's had a lot of ups and downs in his life. Something something clicked with him about the, the conversation that we had that day. He said, you know, when you said that, when you said that about Jesus presenting himself as the only way to have a right relationship with God, it's Jesus alone and nothing else. He said, that really resonated with me. And I started thinking about a number of things in my life that I'm adding to my relationship with Jesus. And I'm trying to make my life better by having Jesus, but having this other thing or having Jesus and having these other people in my life to have a right relationship with God. And what you said helped me to realize that even if I don't have those things and gosh, I don't even, I don't need those things anymore for a right relationship with God. It really helped me to have a lot of peace. And I thought, well, that's great. That's great that we're reading about, we're hearing, we're exposing the life of Jesus through Mark's gospel. And that one of the realizations, I, I guess we could say is probably pretty elementary but honestly, maybe that's the place that we need to go back to with people who've said that they follow Jesus or have been believers for a long time is, is Jesus enough? 
or are you are we continually taking Jesus and then adding other things to try to have peace in our life, uh, a right feeling or a right emotion about our relationship with God? Um, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, well, and I think that some of those basic things, it's like they probably knew the facts or the information, but it's walking sure. through the scripture with someone else where the Holy Spirit does something special and changes our our hearts, not just our minds. Jason, what's one thing new that you've learned about disciple making by using this tool, the Discipleship Gospel Workbook? Um, I think one new thing that I've learned specifically is something that I've said to all of the groups when we've started, and then I repeat myself uh, 16 times. So every time we meet, 16 times I repeat uh, to them that what we're reading today, this chapter we're reading today, the first thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to um, we're trying to answer the question: What does Jesus require of a disciple, or what is Jesus calling his disciples to do, including us, us as disciples? Uh, but the uh, the one new thing that I've learned to say and to ask is: is after we read Mark chapter one, and then Mark chapter two, three, and then so on, is after we read the chapter, is look at everybody in the group and say and ask the question: Do you believe this? Do you believe that any of this happened? And sometimes, uh, and a couple of times, uh, a groups, uh, some of the folks in our group who uh, are, are Christians or say that they're Christians, they after Mark chapter one, Mark chapter two, they say, "Yeah, I'm not really sure that I believe that. That I believe that this actually happened or that it could have happened." And uh, it it doesn't shut everything down. It just it gives me a reference point to know that. Okay, there's some things that although they're in the Bible and people have probably said, yeah, I, be- I, I believe the Bible, that whenever you ask them hard questions about, hey, do you believe that Jesus fed five to 15,000 people with one plate of food? Do you believe that that happened? They might sit back and scratch their head and say, you know, I'm not really sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. And that's the, the, the second part of the question is, is are you willing to continue to read this, although you might not believe or you have a question, a new question in your mind about whether or not you can believe this? And the one new thing that I learned about it was is sort of in a linear kind of thinking process is, gosh, if they are willing to believe that Jesus fed thousands of people with one plate of food, when we get to Mark chapter 15 and chapter 16, the death of God on the cross his burial and his resurrection are a lot easier to believe if this person's not already a Christian. Right. Um, it, it, it may help them to learn as like, yeah, I believe some wild stuff before. I believe that Jesus spit on somebody's eyes and caused them to see when they were blind from birth. So I believe that. So it is completely reasonable that the man who is claiming to be God rose from the dead. I'm willing to believe that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's one new thing that I've learned is, is to try to help people along the way instead of just jumping in and saying, hey, you know, uh, uh, read John's gospel. And if you don't get it, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think the, the maybe uh, something that could be uh, a, a leverage for help uh, for um, the help that some people are needing is, is just help me to believe or help me to understand. Much like the the soldier that say are the uh, a couple of people who come to Jesus and they're asking for the help 
to believe. They're they're not just asking for a handout or they're asking to be healed. Some of them are asking to help uh, for the help to believe. Do you have any advice for other people interested in using this resource? Um, the one piece of advice that I would say is is uh, don't make replication or success the goal. Make the goal just your obedience. The goal in all this is just being obedient. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you to invite somebody to a discipleship relationship, specifically using this tool with Mark's gospel, is just be obedient and make that the the, the goal. I'm, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient to what it means to be a disciple. And then I'm going to be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. Because, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, because this is still not easy. This is ridiculously difficult to try to manage. Um, and it's it, the hard part of it, it has nothing to do with reading and then praying with your disciple, whoever's in the discipleship relationship. The hard part is trying to manage all this time and logistics of when can we meet and um, all the other things that are going on in that person's life and their relationships, because we can get down to the, we, we can read the chapter and we can go through the workbook and ask and answer hard questions in about 50 to 55 minutes. We can get all that done. It's the, uh, it's the additional time of, okay, uh, I, I need an, uh, an extra 30 minutes today. I'm not quite ready. Okay. All right. Well, let's, so let's manage that. Um, but the commitment of the goal is, is for me to be obedient to this, to the best of my ability. That's my advice. Um, and then I guess the other piece of advice that goes along with it is, is, uh, help people meet them where they are, help them best by meeting them where they are. Uh, if they've never interacted with the scriptures before, help them. Uh, don't complicate it and, and don't assume that they've known these things, even if they're members of a church or they've been Christians for a long time. Help meet them where they are and then don't assume. Just uh, help them to walk through the scriptures, um, answering their questions as best you can. Jason, I like your approach where you're just like, okay, let's – Let's not try and control outcomes. Obviously, we can affect outcomes. But really, yeah. the truth is, when we're trying to make disciples, <laughs> we even just look at Jesus like, you know, he let them make a lot of mistakes. He let them kind of run wild at times. And in the end, they deserted him in his most vulnerable moment. And so I think yeah. there's this sort of um, facade of control that we sort of think we have. But the truth is, and this becomes clear really quickly, we don't really have any control. Um, so the best we can kind of do is be obedient. I think that's what you mean. It's not that replication isn't important as a goal, but you're saying the number one goal because you can't really control yeah. people is obedience. And then if you replicate, you know, and you need to plan on replicating like you talked about, but replication in and of itself is not the goal. The goal is obedience, not only for you, but for them. And so you meet people, sure. you meet people where they're at and, you know, they make choices along the way. And that's part of the, the curriculum. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus in Mark and, and Jesus ended up not having a disciple out of that. Uh, it, it appears, <laughs> I, I still don't know what he really did. I mean, he walked away, but did he come back? We don't know. 
So I think that's pretty cool. Well, Jason, anything else, man? No, I just really appreciate uh, the everybody who has um, interacted with um, whomever it is who's uh, taken on the responsibility and, and and bore the mantle of saying, you know, this is we we've got to do something. Something's got to change. Um, uh, disciples don't make themselves according to the scriptures. We 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 do the disciple making work. That's God's plan for the church. And I'm really thankful for, um, for folks who will do the hard work of saying, yeah, we, we've got to help. And if we can, if it's a tool, if it's media, if it's a resource, whatever it is, we'll, we'll invest time and, and, uh, resources to try to make these things available for people who desperately need them. And I would say, stay the course, just, uh, keep, keep going so that we can keep, using the resources that we need to help people uh, find the kingdom or um, I I just am really thankful for those who will uh, do the hard work. Well, you're welcome, man. And I'm just one of the players in this. We've got such a great team and great authors uh, who are practitioners, not just kind of writers, but pretty much all the people we work with are leaders or pastors somewhere. And so it's like, we're all just kind of using our skills to build up the body. And so I'm grateful for your stories, man, and and power to you, brother. Keep on pressing on, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Him Publications podcast. Check out the Discipleship Gospel Workbook at himpublications.com.